0: Greetings, fellow geeks, and welcome to another episode of Geek Broadcast, a podcast where three broads discuss anything and everything geeky. I am one of your hosts, Lauren, and with me, as always, on this geek journey are two of my closest friends. First off, Christina, what's going on? Hey, happy Cinco de Mayo. That's the day we're recording. Hola. Yes, Cinco de Mayo it is, my friend. Cinco de Mayo it is. Katie, what's going on? And also a very happy Revenge of the Fifth to those of you who celebrate. (laughs) For our Star Wars friends, that is Revenge of the Fifth. Sith, you know how it goes, because yesterday was Star Wars Day, and that was a good day, kids. That was a really good day. All right, uh, today in this fun episode, we are really kind of wrapping up Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because they did a uh, behind-the-scenes docu-series about the making of this show, which was really, really cool. I don't know about you guys, but I love behind-the-scenes stuff. I crave it. I love watching like the directors do their thing. The actors kind of do their thing. The pre-visual stuff, how it all comes together. Like, obviously they did this for WandaVision when it was really, really cool. I was looking forward to this because we knew going into the production that, you know, that hit during COVID. So it was interesting to see how they kind of worked in that, um, in that kind of realm of dealing with the pandemic and, finishing the show so it was a lot it was a really really cool I love behind the scenes stuff like I said it, it's really cool to see so we'll go kind of overall thoughts on the document series of behind the scenes I love it um I liked how you could tell where they were going with it which we talked a lot about in the show of you know what captain America that icon meant what it meant to have a black character like Sam become Captain America you know they put it throughout the show the entire time, and they really kind of deep dived into that subject a lot, which is really really cool. Obviously, you see a lot of the fun stuff that you know Sebastian Stan, um, Sam, um, Falcon himself. Oh my God, I can't believe him. but Anthony Mackie. Good lord, Anthony Mackie, and then Daniel Bruhl. You know you got to see a lot of those kind of behind the scenes stuff, and then just kind of talking about what they thought about the characters. I mean. Sebastian Stan, I really like how he was talking about, you know, kind of keeping the idea of the Winter Soldier from movie to movie and then into the series. Like he wanted like he said in the in the doc that you know he wanted to see he wanted that fans to feel that like the person they met in Civil in the first American the uh, first Captain America movie to see that character and then to see him go from Winter Soldier to Civil War to the show, like it felt seamless. It felt that it was growth. And I really liked how he kind of went through that process with this character. And obviously throughout the season, we get a huge, huge growth with Bucky. The same thing with Anthony Mackey, too. You know, he wanted to bring, you know, this character to the forefront of Captain America. And he talked about a lot about what it meant to have Captain America bleed this black character now. So that was really cool. And again, you get a lot of the director, Kara, uh, Kara. Carrie, Carrie, I can't remember how you pronounce it, but seeing how she was directing people and like how she shot it visually was really, really cool. Again, Aaron Kellyman, uh, one of the guys, I I think it was uh, Spellman said like the show doesn't work without Aaron Kellyman. And that's a complete 100% like accurate statement. This show doesn't work without Aaron Kellyman being that really great character that she was with Carly Morgenthau who was cool for her when she found out she got the role she looked into the you know this character who is actually male in the comic books they switched it to female so she was like oh this is cool this is exciting so she kind of got to do a whole fresh take on this character which was really really cool to see how she did it so i love all that crap i love the visual stuff like i love just how they how they when they put the new captain america suit on sam they had it like in in post-production, they had to, like, make it tighter because, obviously, you don't have fabric that can stick, <laughs> like, to the the body that well. So, like, just cool little things like that. And just, you know, again, I love the pre-visual stuff. Like, I just love seeing, like, what they thought of and then how they did it. I mean, with the uh, in the first episode when they go through the um, people jumping out of planes, they actually had people do that and they use cameras to, like, use footage of that. So cool stuff. Like, I love all that. Like, I'm just a nerd. I know you guys are probably, too, about the the behind-the-scenes stuff. So, Christine, I'll start with you. Overall thoughts on kind of behind-the-scenes and what you kind of got uh, taken out of it overall. And then we'll kind of dive into a couple stuff. I love this
1: stuff. I think it um, is so impactful when you see how intentional Marvel is with the things they do. Um, I thought when Sebastian Stan was talking about the journey of Bucky... I, you know, one of the things that Marvel does that you don't see a lot of studios do is they sign their actors to these long term contracts. And I think we discussed he has an eight or nine film contract, right? If you sign him to a one film contract with Captain America, the first Avenger, he doesn't go into that film thinking about the journey of Bucky. He knows that Bucky is a character he's going to develop and that he's going to move forward with. by by having that um by having that you know that long term contract he knows i'm going to be playing this character for well over a decade and so i need to really understand and know him if you sign him to one film or two films he's not necessarily going to think as far in and and have that relationship with his character um so i i think that does speak a lot to them to marvel studios how they do things um, I also loved the visuals. I loved how they wanted it to be very grounded is what she says. We wanted it to feel grounded. Anthony Mackie references the fact that they took the masculine masculinity away, but also added it back in and made them humans with emotions and people. Um, I thought that was super impactful. And it showed that, again, this is something I think a female director was a huge thing for this series i think without a female director you don't necessarily get the same hit of emotion that you get throughout this entire series this series very easily could have been all macho it could have been all action it could have been all macho but instead by having a female director sorry dudes it's a fact she was able to come in and look at the story from a different perspective. And I think they were so intentional when they wrote this story. Um, they sat down and I love Malcolm talks about at the how he and Anthony Mackey, that speech. At the end, that, that was them on the phone for an hour and a half living their experience and talking about what meant something to them. Um, I thought that was huge. That's not something that some writers who are out of touch sat there and gave their fantasy about. It meant something. And I think that it, and not knowing that last week, right, we didn't know last week that Anthony Mackey played a huge role in creating that speech. Um, now that we do, his performance is it takes it. That was passion. That man felt every single word he said. Um, And I've always been so impressed with him. I have a little crush on Anthony Mackie. I'm not going to lie. I think it might actually be bigger than my
0: Sebastian Stan crush. Who doesn't Um, have a crush on Anthony Mackie? Let's just be honest Yeah, anyone who doesn't,
1: let me know because you're messed up. First of all, have you seen those arms? Um, But no. So I think that that was super, you know, impactful. I thought the fact that they were able to pivot so many times. They had to pivot through COVID they had to pivot through earthquakes they had to adapt everything they did every time in this series and i read today that this is the single highest first um the first episode was the most watched episode in disney plus history so far this was their highest um yeah beating out the Mandalorian yeah it beat out the Mandalorian it beat out WandaVision the fact that it beat out the Mandalorian and now what are we at two seasons of the Mandalorian now and it beat out both
0: is big that's real big
1: it's huge and I think it talks about you know how invested in these characters Marvel fans are these are two characters that you always thought of as Cap's sidekicks um but they're not these are leading men um I think that Marvel understood that Disney and Marvel understood that these are characters that the fans were craving and wanted to know more about. Um, I think that the casting of Erin Kellyman was the smartest thing they did in this entire series, to be quite fair. And it sounds like she didn't really audition. She had a phone call from what she was saying, and it wasn't really... It was weird. She didn't know she was going to get it. She didn't know anything about the character. She had to do research herself and then found out that once she found out that they were making Carl, Carly, she was like, oh, I am in. Give me this. Um, Such a smart, smart lady she is. Um, I loved it. I thought this was probably one of the best behind the scenes. I like this behind the scenes better than I like the WandaVision behind the scenes. Because you could see, like in the WandaVision behind the scenes, you saw the the relationship between Lizzie Olson and Paul Bettany and how great it was and how like they had great camaraderie, but this, you saw that the whole cast had so much fun. And I think that shows, I, I liked WandaVision. Don't get me wrong, but this was at a whole nother level for me as a viewer. Um, yeah. I, I think you saw behind the scenes why it was like that. And it was because of the people involved, not because, I mean, the story was amazing, but the people involved are what really made it.
0: 100% because you don't, you know, they talked about how the the director, is uh, Kari, talked about how, you know, the, the relationship between Sebastian and Anthony were so good, like they played off each other so well. And then you throw in Daniel Broll and she said she, you know, she had to break it up all the time because they're having too much fun. So that's good to hear as like a fan, like, their passion, the fun they had making it, and it showed, right? It showed in the, in the product that they made, you know, and I'm glad you brought up WandaVision because it was a different behind the scenes, right? Because, you know, that was a lot of on stage, right? It was, it was that old school, you know, sitcom feel. So it was a very different kind of what they did, how they produced it, obviously, so, you know, and like you said, you know, obviously the the story of Wanda and Vision was, you know, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. And they crushed it, right? I mean, they crushed it. So that behind the scenes was cool as far as like what they did with like the 50s, 60s and all that stuff. But this behind the scenes, I agree with you, Chrissy, was different because what they had to go through is like you said, through the COVID, they had to, you know, when they were in Prague, they had to stop. They had to get everybody out of Prague They were going to go to Puerto Rico and then like two earthquakes happened and all this other stuff. And then it took them eight months to get back to, you know, um, filming the show. So and you can tell that and and I can't remember who said it, but one of the either executive producers or whoever said that they, you know, with that with that break, they kind of took time to kind of reevaluate what was what they were doing with the story. So a lot of the things we've heard. That you know, the storylines changed a little bit. Clearly, that's what happened within those eight months, right? So, which was really, yeah. And really I think cool. those eight months, if you think about it, gave them the ability. They knew that having a black Captain
1: America was going to be a thing, huge, but it was a lot be a huge happened. They already moment. knew that was part of the storyline, but what happened during that eight months where they had to break? A lot happened socially in the United States and it meant even more now. And they acknowledged that and they knew that they had to capture the feeling behind that. And I think that's I think that's so amazing that they didn't just say, no, we're sticking with our story. They evolved it to make it make sense for the viewers today.
0: Yeah, no, 100 percent. You know, Katie, I'll throw it to you. You know what I loved about what they said about, you know, Aaron Culliman, too, that I think it was Spellman said she was the hero that turned bad. Interesting idea because obviously we always thought maybe she was, you know, the, the, the villain, but they tried to portray her and thinking about it now, it does make sense. They try to portray her as a hero for like the greater, this greater mass of people, right? Because of what happened with the snap and everything during the, during this time. So, yeah, I, I love that they do Erin Kellyman and I, I love what they did as far as evolving the story, like Chrissy said. So your kind of overall thoughts with the document uh, documentary overall. Sure. I mean, you
2: guys said it and Christina, I think you said it even in one of our recap episodes. You know, Erin Kellyman looks like everyone, you know, she she's racially ambiguous. She's young, but not really. Um, they cast her as an innocent and uh, they said that outright in the documentary. And I think that that was so smart. Um, You know, I mean, we've said it over and over again. They didn't cast, they didn't cast wrong. I really loved the way um, they talked to so many people in the cast in this documentary. I mean, it, it stood out to me that um, Florence uh, who plays IO, Got a couple of of moments there, and she talked about you know I once you put that armor on you're in it, and how she trains all year, she's always ready for that call to come back and play Io and be part of the Dora. Like that to me is is really cool, um, and it just goes back to the contracts and the agreements and the continuity that Marvel likes to have in all of their cinematic universe, TV, film, all of it. Uh, I come from a travel background and it was very interesting to me watching, uh, you know, when they were in, it's, it's on locations, I was wondering if they would ever disclose where they filmed. And, uh, it was really neat to see about, it, it, they were wanting to go to Puerto Rico, which would have been huge for that country. Right. Cause they're still trying to pick up the pieces after, um, Hurricane Maria. And, uh, you know the, the the stumbling blocks that they had for that, and then going to Prague, and uh, I mean Prague, Prague is gorgeous, and it was uh, really interesting to see that you know that they had to to pause for eight months. I feel like that pause and the pandemic conditions and all of the challenges made this such a stronger show overall. I mean, for the story, for the cast, for the camaraderie of everyone, for everyone kind of like having to. Pull themselves together and figure out how they were going to meet these challenges and how they were, as Christina said, evolve the story. It it, it just worked. I mean, it was all the pieces fell into place for this, and it was neat to see on the back end. Um, I loved watching Kari, the director, work uh, some of those fight scenes. I believe it was right at the beginning. It's right at the top of my notes. I think it was like right at the beginning of the documentary. They um, she was you know giving some direction and saying like, okay, you know, you're, you're thinking this, but he's almost got you. Like he's almost got you turning. You've got, you've got to emote that and convey that. And she totally did because all of us were picking up on it, you know, and seeing that character work is just, it's just super cool to me to, to, you know, a lot of the words that they were using to describe their characters and to describe their feelings um, as they were going through this six hour movie, basically that they were filming. Uh, It was cool that that a lot of the words that we used to describe these guys was a lot of the words that they were using to describe themselves. So felt, felt, felt really good. (laughs) Felt really good to see all of that. So um, my last favorite moment is uh, Zemo's Sukovia commercial. We can't, uh, we can't gloss over that. His lovely, do you like my clothes? Do you want to get these clothes? (laughs) So. It's so wonderful. I, I need more behind the scenes from them because hearing Kari say that I had to pull them apart many times and get them to refocus. We're not supposed to be having this much fun. I, I want more. I want more of that fun. That was really cool.
1: I just need more Zemo in my life. Like that needs to be something that is consistent. We need Daniel Bruhl more often marvel listen to the fans we love him even if it's literally just little like things you throw out to us on social media occasionally and it's zemo in the raft right now what is he doing on a daily basis with his books i mean i it, and i think i referenced it in the last episode about how they did that third person him turn and look at the camera shot give me some of that keep me invested in the zemo story um i
2: i, I want that yeah, I want yeah. like Zemo as Forky on that, uh, those little shorts that are on Disney Plus. Forky asks a question, <laughs> like maybe we get Zemo answers a question. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Zemo reacts to
1: current events. And who would have thought a couple of years ago that we would all be like, we need more Zemo? You know, right? Nobody yeah. would have thought like we need more Zemo. And the fact that <laughs> he improvised those dance moves because he felt like after years in jail or in prison that Zemo was going to want to cut loose a little bit and find himself. And Daniel Brühl ran with that. Like that was not scripted and it was the highlight for
0: so many people of this series. That's all very true. I mean, Daniel Brühl was, it was cool to, for, for him to talk about Zemo and to talk about how you know, the, the character himself and wanting to be wearing the mask and wearing like the outfit that, you know, was in the comics. I mean, he said he was even on a break during a break. He ran to a comic shop and bought and bought comics. Like how freaking cool is that? Like, that's just, they're not paying him to do that. Like they're not, hey, you should probably go, no dude, he wanted to because he's invested like these, you know, these actors and actresses are invested I mean, even I love Anthony Mackie at one point, like gave super praise to the um, actress that played his sister and was like, you know, that she was crucial part of Sam's journey and she totally was. And she freaking nailed it. So it's good to see that like, you know, the, the, the main stars, you know, were giving praise to, you know, their, their other castmates and, you know, they were having fun. Like we talked about, it's just cool to see it. Like I love all the behind the scenes stuff. Like, like I said, like the, the pre-visual things, you know, we'll we'll talk about kind of maybe two things that, you know, we kind of liked or kind of pulled from it. You know, one of the things is just the pre-visual stuff. Like, it's amazing what they do, you know? So, I mean, you see Anthony hanging on wires and, you know, it's that cameras right on his face and, you know, you see him like talking and flying around on the wires and then they show like the, the process of, you know, the digital stuff, the add, you know, adding of like the, the the red goggles and, you know, the straightening of the cowl and it just makes it so smooth. And it's just like, you know, when you watch it, you're just like, Oh, that's probably how the costume fit. No, it didn't fit that way. Or that's not how it looked, you know, when they first, you know, filmed it or they used, you know, these guys jumping out of airplanes and they stuck cameras on them and used that footage to make it feel real like it's just crazy like what they did and what lengths they go to to give fans like a good product. And that's one thing I think not a lot of other IPs do. I mean, let's be honest with it. Like Marvel understands their fan base. I think we talked about that before. Like they understand what the fans like they understand what they look for. And then they also understand what to give them. I mean, we everybody wanted the you know the uncut Zemo dancing, and they gave it to us. Like they just were like, oh yeah, here here's the extra footage. And then they made a whole freaking YouTube like thing of it for an hour of just him dancing. Like why why did you do that, Marvel? Well, because we could, and you know you guys wanted it. So there you go. Like that's just how they you know that's just how they are. So you know, again, the circle back on like the previs. Like oh, I love that stuff. Like I you know in the Mandalorian doc, you know, to stay within the Disney plus that they talked about that a lot too, in that documentary series too. So, you know, to see Marvel's kind of what they do and, you know, again, like what they, the lengths they go to try to make these shots as real as possible. And then again, like what they went through just through the whole pandemic, I mean, eight months, like Katie, you're saying like eight months, That gave them so much time to reshift things in the story to make it better and to make it more of a complete, like, felt real in our time type of story. You know, I mean, they could have kept like, I mean, from reports, I think what has been said is that, you know, they were going to go with like this uh, uh, biological kind of gas and things like that. And we, we saw that in the first episode, they were going after vaccines. And that kind of felt, you know, that that whole thing kind of just like went away. You don't you know, they don't really pick up on that at all during the rest of the series. So you can tell that they definitely did like changes, but they still kept the story, though. Right. They still kept Sam's story to, you know, to, you know, go from the guy that, you know, felt like the shield wasn't his. Right. And that was the whole line that they talked about of Endgame. Like, you know, this doesn't feel like it's his. And that was kind of like a big point of the of the show. Like they kind of circled it around that kind of that line in that in the end game. So, I mean, and then, you know, to have a female director, to have a female executive producer and to have people of color again involved in the storytelling is huge. It's huge. I mean, I mean, it is. And again, Marvel was smart to cast and to bring in certain people to make this story. What it was, you know, and then to bring in character like Isaiah Bradley, that not a lot of not a lot of Marvel. Maybe people didn't know about that story. I didn't. So to bring that story into this type of show, again, smart, creative, and they knew how to use it and use it well. So that's kind of like. Yeah, I I, have
1: to say I loved when you hear Clee Bennett talk about his character as Lamar Hoskins. And he's like, I didn't know who I was playing they just told me they had a role for me. And then when he found out that he was Lamar, he's like, I had those comics. Like he was so excited to be playing that role. Um, And I think that if you think about it, every single actor that talked was like, oh my God, I was just, I can't believe I get to play this role. I mean, you hear it from Daniel Bruhl. You hear it from every Aaron Kellyman. You hear it from everyone about how they can't believe that they're so lucky to play this role. And you know, when you talk about the production and the pre-production and everything they did, there's a reason this cost $150 million for a budget. And now that you see that they literally paid a bunch of people to have bat suits and jump out of planes and they did all these things and you're looking at it and going, that makes sense. When you saw them do the Madripoor set design, when the set designer oh, was, was talking so about cool. how they did that in like a little so alley cool. outside of Atlanta. I think it was outside of Atlanta and they did it in this yeah, little town. town. Yeah. Yeah. And how Freaking he like. Cool how they did that and how bomb it turned out on, on camera and how it looked when you saw it on screen. I mean, it made sense. He's like, Oh, we have this cramped street. Let's work with it. Let's throw this stuff up. Let's. And they talked about like the brass monkey and he talked about all of that and set design and costume design design is like my thing. Right. So for me, that's like what I'm here for. And they, they talked about the John Walker costume a lot. They talked about how, you know, they were very intentional in brightening the red. How they were very intentional in every, and we've talked about that, right? We've talked about John's costume and how it, it changed. And, and I just want to tell you, as much as we don't like John Walker, I adore Wyatt Russell. Yes. Same. Absolutely
0: adore him. Yep. yep.
1: I need more Wyatt Russell in my life. So let's figure out all of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to get more Wyatt, for sure. Obviously, him being Agent Zero, so I'm really excited to see what they do with that. But yeah, I mean, costumes design, I'm glad you brought that up, Chrissy, because that was, again, you know, how they brought the new Captain America suit, and it was literally comic book, like, straight from, was amazing, and, they, and it looked so freaking good. So freaking good on uh, Anthony. Like, it looked amazing. And then like you're saying, like the the different they they talked about how they wanted to keep the Captain America outfit that, you know, Wyatt Russell wore similar to Steve's. You know, they kept the same fabric. Like you said, they brightened up the red, but they try to keep it on that par of similar, you know, Captain America outfits, which was really, really cool. really, really cool. Katie, what about a couple a couple things that kind of stood out for you or anything?
2: Yeah, Christina, I'm glad you brought up that alley in the suburbs of Atlanta like that to me. That looked like Hanoi. That looked like pictures that you see of back alleys and hutongs in Vietnam, you know, like it. And they even said like we were going, that's the look that we were going for. It just that was incredible. Another thing that um, I'm recalling talking, kind of stepping back and talking about the the digital, the previs and the digital layering and how they turned that road in Atlanta into looking like germany i mean they, they layered in mountains they layered in trees they did all kinds of stuff and they said at one point um that john fell or uh, wyatt fell off the truck in atlanta and then when he stood up he was in prague like it just boggles your mind you know the way that they that they make this stuff look so seamless that we are completely suspending our disbelief you know like we know that there's probably a lot going into the visual effects, but my gosh, we bought it. I mean, we buy it hook, line, and sinker. Even that that beginning fight, you know, we we bought that hook, line, and sinker. Like it looked like it was happening. You thought <laughs> just... Anthony
1: Mackey was jumping out of
2: that plane? Oh, for sure. It's it's yeah, it's amazing. Um, it's amazing what what they can do. And uh, again, that they did it for a television series. You know, this was a six-hour movie. Like we were treated to just a very rich story and a very visually re- rich um story rich uh, everything was was top-notch and it could have been a couple of movies you know what i mean like it, it it yeah it was very special this was a special thing that uh we all got to be a part of gang what a time to be alive
1: <laughs> i loved how they talked about the fact that they know that these series need to be character development they talk about the fact how you come out of a feature film. And these are realistically as of today. I mean, we know what we're going to get in the future with the Captain America four. We know we're getting these things, but as of today, Sam and Bucky are supporting characters. They're not lead characters. Zemo was a supporting character. And so, and, and very much. So were are Wanda envision. I mean, although they're top build these are all top build Avengers. Essentially, they're not the core group, right? They're not our originals from the original Avengers film. so you think of them as supporting characters. And they acknowledged the fact that that is what it is and that what they're being able to do in these series is make it very seamless so that when you roll into the next film, these characters are now going to become our lead characters in a number of films, and they're able to, to do that without having... To have that massive film. I mean, Winter Soldier was only 175 million, though budget for Winter Soldier was 175 million, and this series was 150. So you made a major film. Um, but I loved that they referenced the fact that this was when Disney Plus was created, and they knew it was rolling out. The first thing that Marvel did was say, "Hey, we've got an idea of how we can use Disney Plus." And I mean, genius. They're genius at Marvel Studios absolutely genius people should take notes
0: and try to repeat it no 100 percent. and it's interesting that they you know kevin feige i can't remember who said this but they said feige at one point did say you know they don't want this to feel like a tv show right they want it to feel like you are watching like a a six hour movie in like six different parts like that's how they want it to make these series feel and they did it with WandaVision very well. And they did an excellent job here. And I think like, these series will really lead into, just like you said, Chris, lead into character development. Like, will these series have to be watched to so, to understand these MCU films coming out? Here's what I'll say, like if somebody kind of says that. Not necessarily, but I think if you watch these series, it enhances the movie experience, right? Because what Marvel does so well with their films is that like, let's say you just watch every single Avenger movie. They do a good job within those movies doing dialogue or showing flashbacks of like previous stuff that like, Oh, okay. You, you have a general idea of what has happened outside these films, right? But if you watch the rest of the films, then you get a bigger, broader picture of what's going on. And I think that's what these series will do. They will introduce these characters or make these quote unquote, like we were saying, like these once side characters now leads will be leads in the, in these Avenger movies will bring these growth, you know, these growth pieces to these characters. And so freaking smart. And now they have a whole freaking platform to do it. Like give me an X-Men series. Like that's how I want the X-Men to be introduced. I'll be honest. Like, Give me a series introducing like Charles Xavier and Eric and you know how they met. Like I don't need that in the movie. Like that's what the one thing I loved about Spider-Man is that we didn't see Peter Parker get bit by Spider and do all this crap, right? Like they just said that in dialogue. Like they you didn't have to see it. Like I don't have to see Magneto become Magneto or Charles Xavier become Charles Xavier. You know, like this isn't the 1940s. Like that storyline of Magneto coming from like a, you know, a Nazi camp. Like that doesn't really play well now, right? Like you have to start somewhere different, and then you know, again, you can put those storylines in there via dialogue or whatever. Like that's what I think these series can do, and that's the that's what it's exciting to see what they're gonna do with all these Marvel series. Like Miss Marvel, we have Loki coming out. We're gonna have Hawkeye who's going to introduce Katie Bishop. Like, guys, we are getting a shit ton of new characters in series who are going to be in movies. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but like the Captain Marvel second movie is called The Marvels. Hello, we're getting so good. We are getting I'm Captain so, Marvel. So and so we're getting I'm so excited. i And we're getting um, Monica all in one freaking movie. Hello. We're getting Wakanda forever. Again, we're, we'll talk about all of this. You know, and that was a great thing about too in this documentary is how they talked about the the Dora, and like Katie you said earlier, these actresses are like ready. They train, they're ready to go at a moment's notice, and you can yeah tell. they keep up with each other, right? right. Like they talked right. about. Yeah, she talked about how like oh yeah we keep touch and
1: and we keep ready. We're in shape. We like right. literally are practicing to be the Dora at any moment, and that is just and it shows you how invested these actors are in their characters and how committed they are in their characters. You don't see that. I am sorry. Tell me a series. Tell me a anything where these actors are this committed. And I know you two are very big star Wars fans, of course, but do you think that Harrison Ford was always ready at, at and willing to jump in at any moment? I mean, he's a little crazy, but I don't think you had in Star Wars, which is a very long series. You didn't have these actors weren't every single day ready to get that call and jump on set. And that's the difference in Marvel. These actors any single day are ready to run to the set in film.
0: I mean, you're that's not wrong. And I think that,
2: yeah, I think that speaks a lot to just the, the care that they are given as the performers. And, and I mean, that's from the top down. You know, like the, the everybody is in it together. And I think that, you know, it, it's just very interesting how much fun they have, how ready and, and committed they are, as you said, Christina. Like, it, yeah, I mean, in new in new Star Wars, I feel like Daisy Ridley was probably the most. Um, but yeah, I can I can definitely there, there's something special about the mcu there's something really special about it and yeah i'm 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 really excited to to see what the
0: future holds for us too it's 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 huge i mean and we'll talk about that again in a little bit but yeah i mean the mcu you can't talk you can't talk about enough i mean like you said i i do i love star wars katie loves star wars we're huge star wars fans you know i do a freaking podcast about it so like i love it i love the lore of it and everything like that it's a different animal, though. And you're totally right, Chrissy. It's a different animal. MCU is just different. It's, it is. It's just different than Star Wars. It's different than Harry Potter. It's different, different than the DCU. Like, it's just different. And they're doing it in a way that I don't think anybody will compete with. Like, they, you can't. Like, I'm sorry. Like, again, I love Star Wars. Star Wars can't compete with MCU right now. They can't. And I love Star Definitely Wars. Like not. I said, I love Star Wars. Like, I love what they do in animation and like, like, I love it. I could talk about it and I do on a podcast, but Marvel is just, it's is just different, right? It, it is. It's just yeah. Different. Find me someone who different. can compete. Find me someone who can compete. Come on our
1: Twitter t- and tell us who can compete with what Marvel's doing. There's no one. There's nothing. No. Harry Potter tried it, right? They tried it with Harry Potter. They tried to give us all these, these extra films after, and that was great And its time. They they try things with Twilight and all those little like fanfic books and things they do, but nothing's going to compete with Marvel. You're just not going to do it. No one can do it.
0: No, because they
1: they just know what they're. And this is a generational thing at this point, by the way.
0: I agree with it. With
1: Marvel, yeah. this is they have now so much multi- source material. Yeah, to you, pull from. You're going you know, back
2: years. Th- yeah. And what's so cool is they pull from the source material, but they tweak it just enough to where it's still, you know, it it still has reverence for people who grew up reading this. Right. But it's updated. It's modernized. It's it, it speaks to modern audiences a little bit better. And and that they have set the bar so high. I don't know that any I don't know that we are going to see in our lifetime anyone get better.
0: No, I I don't think you will. I don't think you will. Nope. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... I mean, unless you guys got anything else, you know, I think that's kind of a wrap on what we, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff with Falcon Winter Soldier. Give me Again. season two. Oh, agreed. Yeah, give me Captain and Winter Soldier. Captain America and Winter Soldier season.
1: No, eight. no, no. It's not Captain America and the Winter Soldier. It's Captain America and the White Wolf. The
0: White Wolf. I mean, yeah, okay. The I'll White Wolf. Let's that's drop true. Winter Soldier. I'm
1: not using Winter Soldier anymore. I refuse... <laughs> He is no longer the Winter Soldier. Bucky has oh, that's beat fair. that. That's fair. That's fair.
2: Give me the give me the family barbecue extended cut. I'm still I'm still waiting for that. There's one. yeah. part yeah, of Sarah and, Sarah flirting? and give me Bucky
0: flirting? So we need that cut too. <laughs> There's a lot of cuts. Marvel. Feige. Yes. Listen to us. I'm going to send you this link. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Give us the extended cuts. Give us the extended cuts. All right. All right. So since we're on the topic of behind the scenes, which I, all three of us, like we said, we're huge fans of it. Um, obviously, a lot of different IPs, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. They have all kinds of behind-the-scenes documentaries. So we're going to go around and kind of give two of our favorite documentary series that we have watched on, on anything. I mean, it's going to be anything. So um, my two are this. So one is Star Wars, one is not Star Wars, but involves the same guy. And that's Ryan Johnson. And we fucking stand Ryan Johnson in this house. I will drop the F-bomb for that guy because he... Yes, ma'am. I still don't it's know what legend. Stan means. It's legend. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> Christy, Can we we'll just use, after like... After we'll talk after listen, the Listen,
1: I'm not young. You need to explain this shit to me. I'm older than both of you, and I know what Stan no, means. no. Let's use grown person language. I don't know this shit. It means we support and appreciate Ryan Johnson. Listen, I'm I'm an older millennial. I'm not Gen Z. Give me the stuff I need.
0: That's fair. That's fair. So my two are, again, Ryan Johnson. My first one is his documentary of the director and the Jedi for The Last Jedi. If y'all, again, you can talk about The Last Jedi all you want. Kids, that's fine. Whatever. It's opinions. I have my opinions. That's fine. Here's the thing. You cannot watch that documentary and not come out of it impressed on how well that guy, A, writes a story, two, directs the hell out of it, and three, knows what he wants and freaking shoots it, and it's amazing. Let's just be real with it. That's why I love in that in that documentary of the, Jedi, uh, the director and the Jedi. Like, it's just his behind-the-scenes stuff and talking to the actors and letting them know what he was thinking and them talking about stuff. Like he is one of those guys that will listen to an actor and let them do what they want to do, you know, but still kind of get what he needs and what he's looking for in the shot or in that scene or whatever. Like it's fantastic. Like he is an amazing director. You can't take away from it. I mean, the guy has directed two, two very popular movies. I mean, movies that have made millions and billions, okay? In The Last Jedi and Knives Out. Plus, the guy has directed TV shows. He's directed he directed two amazing episodes in Breaking Bad. So the guy knows what he's doing. So, you know, again, in particular with the, with the first documentary of the director and the Jedi, like, just how excited. Like, I just like seeing him get excited about what he's doing. And that's what you see with him in that documentary it's just how excited he loved shooting a star Wars. And he wrote the, and he wrote the movie and he got to direct it and he got to do, you know, things that he wanted to do. And it was freaking amazing, you know? So it, you can't take away, you know, visually what he did with like within that movie and the shots that like, I liked how he like, he talks about it. He breaks it down for people. And that's what he did in the, in this, documentary you know he talked about what his process was throughout the you know throughout it and he talked to you know his conversations to Mark Hamill and Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver and um you know all the freaking cast it's amazing like it is amazing I love that documentary if you haven't watched it honestly if you haven't watched it in a while just watch it because it it's some of the greatest stuff you will see I think Behind the scenes, wise of how a Star Wars movie, this Star Wars movie in particular, is made, like it's just fantastic. The other one that I'm going to talk about of his is Knives Out. Knives Out, again, he wrote and directed it, and it's a Who Done It. I need to get that shirt, a Ryan Johnson Who Done It film, because it's a freaking great movie, and again. He talked about how he's been thinking about this forever. Like he wrote this movie. He's been thinking about doing this type of movie for a long time. And he got to do it. And it's just amazing how, again, different style movie than Star Wars. But it's still that same, you know, this is what he was doing. This is how he got the cast involved. They had a lot of fun on set all the time. And he had some big names in Knives Out. I mean, Chris Evans. I mean, you go, I mean, you go down the line. If you haven't seen Knives Out, you need to watch Knives Out. But it's a huge, huge, huge film with a lot of great actors and actresses. And you have to be a hell of a director to put all those people in the one movie and make it work and make it work well. So again, if you don't, if you haven't watched that documentary of like Knives Out, his whole process of writing the movie he talks about, he talks about, you know, certain shots that he that he did throughout the film, like he wanted this angle, that angle. He wanted certain things in the background to show up. Like, it's amazing. Like, the guy is just, like, his mind is amazing to watch when he's filming a movie. Like, it's just fan-freaking-tastic. So that's my two. I don't know if you guys, either you have thoughts. Christina, you have thoughts on those two, and then you can talk about your, your uh, if you got two of them.
1: I, you know, I'm a big Knives Out fan. I, we went, Lauren, you and I and our our other friend went to see that in the movies and everything about it. It was just done so very well. Um, Chris Evans, give me Chris Evans in a cable knit sweater every single day of the week and I'm not going to complain about it. Um, but everything, I mean, the names that he gets in his film. That film realistically, it had almost an indie feel to be quite fair. Um, I thought, anyways. And yes, so, you yes, have, yes, I yes. mean, and you mix some of the most random. That was the most random casting, by the way. You had some unknowns. Anna DeArmas was very unknown at that time, and she's uh, the main character at the end of the day. But then you have Don Johnson. W- what? jamie lee curtis and chris evans all on screen at one time together and there's i mean so many others but it was cast again very well i think ryan johnson does that well um yeah knives out was stellar but here's the thing i don't watch the same behind the scenes documentaries that you guys do i mean marvel's kind of like my fandom that i love other than harry potter but we'll get into that someday guys um but i mean i Respect to Disney. Okay. So when I think behind the scenes, I think Disney as a whole, which you have to think about the fact that when you go on your Disney Plus app, there's all these different areas you can click into, right? And so Disney is doing things with nature, they're educating people. I think that's impactful. Disney is real life and fairy tale and futuristic all at one time. And how the hell do you do that? But somehow Disney makes it work and they're making it happen. Some of my favorite things to watch behind the scenes is things that happen at Disney World and at their parks and why they do the things they do. And I love to watch all of these different um, programs they have on Disney Plus, which is if you're going to have one streaming service, it needs to be Disney Plus. I can watch the things from my childhood. I can look at things that are happening in the theme parks that I love. I can understand how and why they do things. So my niece, um, Adelaide, she is seven and she loves and she and I can sit there and watch every animal documentary Disney puts out. She loves to sit there with me. And we don't watch just like the, oh, let's watch the lions walk around or whatever it is. She wants to see the behind the scenes of the Disney park. She hasn't been to most of the Disney parks yet. We're going. I buy her a Disney gift card, by the way, any aunts, uncles, parents, grandparents, every holiday, birthday, whatever it is. What I buy for my nieces is Disney gift cards. Because you can combine them on the online into one Disney card because going to the Disney parks is not cheap. They got to pay for these movies and these films somehow. Um, but she loves to sit there and I love to sit there and watch the so behind the scenes of why Disney is the way Disney is. When you learn that when you're walking through a Disney park, they don't sell gum. Did you know that? You can't buy gum in a Disney park they have garbage cans are placed strategically so many feet apart. They have scents. They have things that they're pumping into the air. The way that Disney as a whole operates as a company behind the scenes is revolutionary for what they do. And it's why things like marvel can happen it's why things like star wars now can happen it's why george lucas sold star wars to disney because they can take things to another level that individually you can't take things to
0: And and kathleen kennedy
1: well yeah but i mean true but there are there is a reason why disney kind of has a monopoly let's be quite fair on what they're doing that's why at the end of the super bowl they used to say where are you going and the football player would say i'm going to disney world right like that was a thing back years ago that was that was the thing um there's a reason and so i love to watch the behind the scenes of how disney is a corporation i can watch all of those on the Disney Plus app, the animation behind the scenes, how they created it. I've watched them about the Disney Cruise Line. Um, if there is a company out there that you buy stock in, and I, I, I'm I no longer a licensed investment representative, so I can say this stuff now. Um, I have Disney stock because I believe in what Disney is doing, and I think it's sustainable. It is a sustainable business model, and they're behind the scenes. If you spend even... One Saturday morning when it's raining outside, click through and watch the, the Disney behind the scenes stuff about why their company is the way it is. That's what you need to watch behind the scenes. I love talking about character development and why we do costumes and why we do settings. But if you don't think about the business model, and I'm sorry when I go business <laughs> with stuff, it's just who I am. If you don't think about the business model and why they're able to do these things, you don't get it like these stories unless you have this business these stories are going to get shelved. So you have to think about it what Disney as a corporation does and and I love watching the behind the scenes especially about Animal Kingdom, my favorite. Um but yeah, it, I that's my behind the scenes stuff.
0: No, that's good. Yeah, cuz Disney is like you said Chris, it's it's different. I mean, there's no other company Doing what they're doing, and no one will ever probably do what they do, like not at all ever like ever there will not be another company <laughs> that will come close at all at all. Katie, what about you Any- everyone go oh, ahead, go ahead
2: yeah, everyone that works at Disney is a cast member but that, that's their title, everyone from the janitor at um Walt Disney World all the way up to whoever you know <laughs> everyone is a cast member, uh yeah there's nobody that doesn't like disney
0: right no there yeah it's it's amazing it really is so katie i'll I'll throw it to you though any two documentaries that stick out to you or any obviously any comments that you know things that got brought up uh, that we're talking about
2: sure well we already talked about a couple of them that are available on disney plus of course the mandalorian um Docu series that came out about all of the creative processes that that came together and the very cool technical aspects of things.
0: Uh oh, the volume. I'm throw the volume. In, oh, the
2: volume. That's the word that we couldn't think of a couple, of, <laughs> couple of episodes ago. We were talking about Lord of the Rings. Um, the two that I want to talk about—they're very different spectrums. uh One has George Lucas attached, and it is willow oh nice (laughs) it's from um it's not even the blu-ray like it's from the dvd release and I, i guess i'll just talk about the whole dvd release because there's a lot of behind the scenes it's a lot of like featurettes you know like the little cutesy little things that they just kind of put together in a media package and um Happened to have in the archive, and so they just threw it on the DVD. But that's fascinating stuff to me. I mean, because you think about Willow, that was one of my favorites growing up. Um, and you think about, you know, all of the all of the small actors that they had to gather for that. You know, they they went into a lot of that casting process. They, you think about the visual effects. You know, that a lot of this, the things that were happening in Willow, were kind of pioneering um, digital effect moments for ILM and uh the morphing technology when uh if you recall in the movie when towards the end before the last big battle when everyone in the camp has been turned into a pig except for willow and um oh gosh what is her name finrazel well, the the sorceress finrazel um, they're kind of protected in this tent and willow is like this is your moment dude this is you've got to you've got to use your sorcerer powers and there she goes into this whole transformation she's transforming you know from a from an ostrich into a tiger into all of these different animals and the way they did that with the computer animation at the time it was filmed in um 87 88 and like all of the all of that technology and the way they pioneered it with ILM was amazing and then there's also um Warwick Davis does a really sweet um commentary for the movie and nice. I just love that I love that. I love that man. And I got to meet him at celebration, uh, 2019, which is amazing. And yeah, it was a good, it was, it was was one of my favorite DVDs. I still, I have a lot of, um, you know, digital media is a thing, but I have a lot of my hard copies still. And that's one that I've held on to. Um, and I'll put it on on occasion and I'll put on that, that commentary track too, you know, and just kind of listen and, and do other things. But, uh, yeah, that, that's a really good one. Um, if you can find either of those things, I'm sure they're probably on YouTube by now, but um, it's it's really neat to, for me. It was really neat to kind of see behind the scenes on those things. Um, second one goes way off the rails. I mean, at least for geek broadcasts, like it, it's, it's, it's geeky in a different way. It's like old Hollywood geeky um, and World War II historian geeky, <laughs> um, which is, Christina, you grew up watching Westerns. I grew up watching World War II movies, um, and so I have I and I. That's continued into my adulthood. Uh, it's gotten a lot darker, but <laughs> but <laughs> like yeah, give me the dark World War II stories, and I'll sit there and atrophy into the couch watching them. But um, the series that I wanted, the documentary series that I wanted to talk about, it's available on Netflix, and it's called Five Came Back, and it is about five golden era Hollywood directors uh, who sign up and go enlist and go make films for the war department. And it's John Ford, William Wyler, John Houston, Frank Capra, and George Stevens, who all went and made 13 uh, propaganda films, basically for the u.s military forces and that's crazy you know this was a, at a time where those are some real serious
1: names too like those are
2: top yeah. directors and i mean these are guys that either were at the top of their game or like about to be at the top of their game you know would go on to win academy awards and just the way that they film this series uh, it's a three-part Docu series, and it's talking about the the enlisting of these guys, the making of the films, um, all of the the behind the scenes of the you know the logistics of getting them there, and then the just kind of how how they were reacting to what was going on um, in the war and what they were filming, and how they had to kind of fight for their product and fight to package it together uh, to send home you know, we're, we're supposed to be patriotic. And uh, it's just, it's very interesting And the way that they've packaged it. Meryl Streep um, narrates it and they've got Steven Spielberg. So there there's five guys that enlisted. And then they have five modern directors who are commenting and kind of telling this story. Uh, So it's Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, Guillermo del Toro, Lawrence Kasdan, uh, and Paul Greengrass that are telling this story. Oh, those are
1: terrible directors. Why would they ask them to do that?
2: (laughs) Right? Oh, man. But even if you could give two shits about World War II or propaganda films or anything like that, hearing these modern directors break down and talk about this very pivotal moment in our history is so cool. (laughs) It's really, really cool. And like I said, it's available on Netflix. It's three hours, maybe a little bit longer. I can't remember how long each of the episodes are, but uh, it's on Netflix. And not only is this documentary on Netflix, all of the 13 propaganda films that they made are also on Netflix. So you can watch the docu-series and then watch the films that these guys made, which was really cool to me when I watched it. I want to say like it came out in 2017, and I want to say 2019 is when I popped it on and, and mowed through it so it's really uh it's really highly I, it comes highly recommended from from me
0: <laughs> that's really cool I actually you you have sold me on maybe watching that because yeah I think that that's idea. something I'm gonna have to watch with my dad
1: 100 percent oh yeah. your dad would love that Chrissy my dad I mean the king yeah. of westerns is also the king of <laughs> world war ii and anything history like he will watch anything history
0: so that's definitely gonna happen Yeah, no, good choice. Good choice, Katie. Good choices. Good choices, everybody. Good stuff. Okay, uh, before we obviously bounce out, we will do the Ask the GBC questions. And the first one comes from the 30 Nerdy and Thriving podcast, which is a fabulous name. I love all that. I love her. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Their question is, out of all the Marvel content coming our way this year, what are you most excited about? For. So, within this, we're gonna really quickly bring up Marvel's sizzle reel they dropped on Monday. So it was a you know welcome back to the movies type of thing, and they wanted everybody to know that obviously you know they're going full force on putting all their move you know all their films to theater only. I think post Black Widow, basically. So. It was a really cool video, you know, it Stan Lee, you know, you heard Stan Lee talking and they're showing all the the different montage of all the films and characters and everything like that. And it it was quite, quite a video. It was like three minutes long. But then at the end of it, they showed like some of the projects that we are aware of, right? So they showed that, you know, uh, Thor got in uh Love and Thunder, the you know, Ant Man movie, the Spider Man uh No Way Home. They showed um got uh what else did they show? They showed the Black Widow, like the the a little bit of that. Eternals, we got like a little sneak peek at Eternals. So it was just really cool We're that they, forever. Yeah, yep. And then the big the, way, the big, one for me was, you know, yeah, Wakanda, Black, uh, Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. And then we got the title of the, we talked about earlier, the Captain, uh, Captain Marvel sequel, Marvels. So it was a really cool video, and it really was, like, just perfectly done by Marvel. Again, you can't beat their marketing department. I'm sorry. They will forever beat everybody. And again, that's coming from a Star Wars fan that, Sometimes gets disappointed by Lucasfilm. I'm not going to lie about it, but it is what it is. I still love Lucasfilm. I still watch Star Wars all the time. But the marketing could use a little beef up. But anyway, Marvel, though, this is what they do with this little video. And it's impactful. And it gives the fans even just a little bit of information, right? So we got dates for all these projects dropping and everything like that. So I think out of the ones that are coming... You know, the one that intrigues me the most is probably Spider-Man because, first of all, I love Spider-Man and the rumors of all the cameos has me super excited even though Andrew Garfield completely denied all of them. He's a big fat liar and I don't believe him for one second that he is not in this movie nor do I not believe that uh, Tobey Maguire's in it. I mean, the guy that plays Doc Ock basically said that he's going to be the same guy, the character that drowned at the end of Spider-Man 2 from Tobey Maguire. So, bro, yeah, you just pretty much told everybody and confirmed everything that, yeah, we're going multiverse, clearly. And he and Tobey Maguire are probably going to be in it. Andrew Garfield's going to be in it. So, Andrew, you don't have to lie anymore. Just go ahead and spill the beans. doesn't matter. Everybody already knows that you're going to be in this movie. But that's the one that excites me, I think, the most, just because I love like I love Tom Holland as Peter Parker. So I I can't wait to see what else he does with the character and what they do with what they do with this movie, because it's going to be insane. I think it's going to be a lot of multiverse interaction. Like I cannot wait to see what other characters will pop up in this movie. I mean, obviously we know it's going to have a small tie in to Doctor Strange, which we'll talk about because that's another question. Um, So, yeah, I, I think Spider-Man is probably my most excited. The one I'm most intrigued on, I will say, is probably Eternals just because I don't know a lot about it. And the cast is outstanding, though. So, like, I have high hopes for Eternals, like really high hopes for Eternals. So I'm interested to see what they do with that. So those are my those are kind of like my excited, intrigued uh, upcoming. So, Christina, what about you? What's your exciting? Give and me intrigued?
1: Black Widow. Um, you know, I think they did Nat Dirty in Endgame. Um, I need this. We need some Scarlet in our lives. We need this film to explain so much. Um, I So I've been really excited. I'm excited for Marvel's. I'm excited for that. Um, I think Eternals is going to be phenomenal just based off the cast. If you screw it up with that cast, you deserve to not be Marvel Studios anymore. You deserve to go out of business if you can screw it up with that cast. Um, there was a lot, right, in that reel that came out. And... We don't see these concrete dates this far out from Marvel ever. We're talking we're out two and three years in these dates. And those were I mean, they put those dates out there. But of course, we know they just moved Loki this week like a day ago. They bumped Loki up, um, which I thought was such smart marketing to have hiddleston announced the new date and that it's going to be on wednesdays instead of fridays wednesday is the new friday he says um i'm excited for loki coming soon um can't wait to see what that mischievous fella has up his sleeves um but i'm, I'm here for black widow i'm here for wakanda forever give me give me wakanda on an annual basis i think that they are going to really pay good credit to t'challa we're gonna have some good chadwick type there i i think we might mourn i think that film may kick off with us mourning t'challa um i'm excited for that there's i i will tell you what i'm not excited for i don't need guardians three can we just stop guardians i hate guardians i hated guardians one i hated guardians two I don't need guardians. Leave it out of here. I, I Interesting. and Interesting. part of it is it doesn't help that um, when we get to Infinity War, I I have no use for Star Lord, Chris Pratt. When we get to Infinity War, we could have we could have cut this two movies shorter if we didn't have him involved. Um, we would still have Tony Stark if it wasn't for this fool. So. I, and this is me, a lot of people disagree with me on this. They're like, oh, Guardians is so amazing and great. The soundtrack is phenomenal. I'll give you that. It's a great soundtrack, but I don't need Guardians 3. Leave it at home. I mean, the only thing I need from Guardians is the rabbit and Groot. I don't need anybody else. And I think we're going to get some Thor in there as well. Do you mean the raccoon? No, he's still the rabbit. Remember? Oh, right. Right. Yeah, I remember. So I See, Guardians isn't my favorite. Oh, I don't love it. Rabbit. I don't need it. I don't need it. The only <laughs> thing Guardians did was connect some nepotism for me from Kurt Russell to Wyatt Russell. That's all that Guardians has done for me. Um, outside of that, giving me Groot and the Rabbit, I need nothing more. Um, no, I'm I'm really excited for Black Widow because we need Nat's story. We need it. We need to understand it. Even more, I mean, we know it, right? We know it, but I want to see more because I do. I am thoroughly convinced that Marvel did her dirty, and you will never convince me otherwise. And we've we talked about it. Um, I think in episode five, where we predicted that Erin Kellyman as Carly Morganthau was going to be killed. And we talked about how quit killing off these strong female characters. And this is another situation where we killed off a strong female character. We know why. We know why it happened. We understand it. Um, bring her back. Don't do not do this to us. But yeah, that that's, that's kind fair. of where I'm at after watching that's that fair. reel. That was the things I was the most excited for. And I am super intrigued by Eternals. Give me that i don't don't I don't care about a lot of the stuff I'm gonna watch it all, but let's face it, there's no doubt I'm going to probably watch it all. I'm considering buying out the theater for Black Widow though
0: yes, we, you and I will definitely have to do that, but you know I mean obviously, what's funny is that obviously Marvel has these dates, but like because of the pandemic, they had to push everything back, so like a lot of this stuff they like you know they've already were filming a lot of this stuff or were are trying to, and then they just got pushed back. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that we got, you know, confirmation dates and in like going into 2023, like it's crazy. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like, you know, there are plenty of other projects, fantastic four, you know, we're going to get in the mutants. Like there's just so much stuff coming out. It's going to be insane. Uh, Katie, excited, intrigued. What are your uh? What are stuff? What's your choices?
2: Well, I'm most excited for the stuff that's coming out in 2022, to be honest. But uh, for this year, it's definitely Spider Man, and um, it's definitely Rachel Weiss and Florence Pugh in uh, Black Widow. I'm interested to see them enter this universe and potentially be in other projects like we've talked about thunderbolt um, so yeah that's the, that that's who i'm excited for from that movie specifically but then shang chi like i know nothing of of the master of kung fu i know do that trailer was that
0: insane
2: i am here
1: for it like <laughs> i think this is the that. one that none of us know anything about this is the one yeah. that everyone's like. What am I going to be watching? So freaking I'm going to cool watch it, but what am I watching?
0: Dude, they sold me on that trailer. I'll tell you that though. For oh sure. Oh my god, the crouching tiger, hidden dragon like vibes. Oh my god, it's so good.
2: Yeah, I'm ready for it. And it's cool to know that Aquafina's character is named Katie with a Y. Recently <laughs> did a nice. Uh, recently did a, a Twitter image challenge thread thing. And there are only there were only two characters that I could find that had like, you know, that's amazing. Had the name Katie with a Y. So like, there's one more. (laughs) I'm excited about that. So I love Aquafina. I mean, I loved her. I've I've loved her and everything that she's been in, and she was definitely great in Raya too. So uh, yeah, more more of that. Yeah, yeah, she's great. I'm definitely that's the one that I'm. I think I'm definitely the most interested in and and going in. You know, with with. Only my Marvel expectations, you know what I mean. Like I know nothing else about anything.
0: Yeah, Shang Chi's gonna just yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so good. All right, our last GBC question comes from Mr. Joe Pro, and he says this: um, I didn't know I was a Doctor Strange fan until I saw the movie, and they nailed it. What do you see coming in that storyline? Okay, so here's my really nerdy. Thoughts on that. So, love Doctor Strange. I love that movie. Can't wait to see what they do with that. With uh, the multi, uh, Multiverse of Madness, because that's going to be insane. We already know that Wanda's going to be in it. So, uh, you know, coming off of the WandaVision show, obviously that end credit scene of the very last shot of her, like, doing, like, a Doctor Strange, like, meditation and Her, you know, form is, you know, like, her form is doing all the weird shit. Like, it's so cool. So we know she's going to be in it. We know it's going to be, obviously, about multiverses. So we know it's going to tie into Spider-Man 3. So I have a lot of high hopes with that storyline because clearly something's going to happen within that movie and Spider-Man 3 that I think Doctor Strange is going to have to fix. He's gonna need Wanda's either help or he's going to have to somehow stop Wanda from doing what she's doing or something like that. It's gonna be crazy. Like I love Doctor, I like I love Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch. I love him as Doctor Strange. I think he was a great casting for it. So I'm super excited for that movie because I think having like a multiverse type of like centric movie makes sense for that character. And maybe a lot of things we they could set up within that type of movie, too. I mean, if we're going multiverse, man, you could throw in a lot of stuff in that movie and make it kind of like, well, it's multiverse, so it's not, you know, technically it could be, but maybe not. Like, depends on how the movie goes. Do they close gaps? Do they close, you know, these loopholes or whatever? So it's going to be really, really cool to see what they do. But yeah, I'm a huge Doctor Strange fan. I love that first movie. It's really, really good. Um, It's probably up there for me, probably mid, mid like Marvel ranking for me. So, Christina, what about you, Doctor Strange? Where do you see that character going and all that? Doctor Strange
1: is in my bottom 30% um, of films. Um, But what I'm envisioning is Doctor Strange, while not necessarily a... I mean, in in our Avengers films, not necessarily always the lead character, but he always is the one that makes an impact. Um, I think that Doctor Strange is going to act in the MCU over the next year or so, kind of as the Tony Stark. Which, what I mean is, you have, in Phase 1, Phase 2, I think, we see Tony as the thing that ties every film together somewhat. There's something about Stark Industries. There's something about... He, he appears, whether it's in an end credit scene or what it is, you see a little RDJ. Um, Doctor Strange very much could be the thing that's going to tie together different avenues of what we're doing in the MCU when we're thinking multiverse and we're thinking of all the films we're going to potentially see him in. Um, I, the first time I watched Doctor Strange, I actually turned it off and was like, I'm not into this. I I'm I, not a big Benedict fan. To be quite fair, um, as I've watched it again, I do actually really very much so enjoy it.
0: Oh, visually um, it's so good. I love the it's just Yeah, the visually
1: it's so good. And, and not my favorite actor. Don't hate him. Um, but not my favorite actor of all people. Perfect for the role. He plays off arrogance so well, and I think that might actually just be who he is as a human. I don't know the man; he might be the kindest, most gentle human on the planet. But something about—I so guess—we're about never him, getting him on the podcast. That's well, I mean, no, no. Something about him portrays arrogance. Wait and go, Christina. No, he Benedict <laughs> is welcome <laughs> at any it. time. You everything. No, 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 he is welcome at any time. What I'm saying is, is there are people who can portray arrogance very well to where it seems like it's natural for them. I um, mean, he is one of those people. And Stephen Strange had to be very arrogant. That is the character. If he wasn't, it wasn't going to work. If you had someone, like Chris Evans couldn't be Dr. Strange. Chris Evans, frat boy personality or whatever you want to call him. He's Captain America. He couldn't be. And we've talked about casting how many times, right? We talk about it all the time. All of these characters we get in the MCU, part of their personality is what we're getting in their films. And we get that with him as Dr. Strange. Um, and I will fully defend that statement by the way. So come at me. Um, but we do, we get a big part of their personalities as, as people outside of actors. Um, I think that we are going to see a lot of Dr. Strange. I think we're going to get a lot of answers to things that happened in the last phase of the MCU as well. Um, In Doctor Strange's, the moves that he made and the things that he did. And, and, you know, when he talks about there was one option, right? He knew there was one outcome that we could have an endgame where we would work. We may get a reference to that at some point, um, which I'm here for. Bring it back because we've talked so many times about how Marvel ties back to what they've done previously. I don't know when we're going to get it. But I'm 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 actually excited to see what happens um, going forward with Doctor Strange, not my favorite character, but um, I can evolve. Remember, I hated Bucky for a very long time. I have spent years hating Bucky and I I'm here for it. So I I'm 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 evolving just like Marvel does.
0: I mean, that's a little bit of a stretch, but I'll go with you on that one. Katie, what is your. Short at Lauren. You're strange. <laughs> What's your dot strange outtake uh, from Joe Pro? Oh, Joe Pro, you always come with the good questions. Um,
2: There are so many, I mean, multiverse, right? Multi. There are so many ways that they could take this. They could lean on the magic. And the time travel and there's so many different ways that they could take this. What I would love to see is our girl Catherine Hahn, Agatha Harkness. come back. I would love to see some dark hold uh, magic book stuff happen. I think that makes sense, right? For her to come
0: back in this in this particular movie. 100%, yeah, absolutely. 100%, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, it definitely does, especially you know that that we know that Scarlet Witch Wanda is involved. I would love to see that. That is uh that's about that's about the only that's about the only thing that I would really really love to see. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm going to eat whatever they feed me. So I mean, just I'm I'm ready for it. But seeing Agatha it kind of cross that bridge from the TV MCU into the cinematic mcu as we're cozying up in our in our reclining seats in a theater with popcorn uh yeah give me that give me agatha again i love her
0: i mean i think that makes so much sense for that character to show up because we know that she's still where she is and we know that wanda is going to be involved in doctor strange too so i'm with it uh, i'm 100 bring bring katherine Hahn, please 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 please. that'd be great
2: yeah and looking in the lore too i mean the dark the the doctor comes across the dark hold in some comics and yes i did have to do some research on that but uh that that's that's one thread that i think they could very easily pick up because it's so fresh in our minds right and it's so accessible to marvel fans as well um and it's
0: katherine Hahn,
2: like Come
0: on. Right, 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 right. And I think it's one of those characters that, like, let's just say you didn't watch WandaVision. They can easily explain who she is quickly in dialogue. Like, again, like they always do. This is what I really want, though. Feige, I'm going to throw. I will call Kevin Feige out in this. I need a Louise recap of, like, events from Iron Man to Endgame. Like Ant Man style, but I need him to recap the entire <laughs> the entire saga, like before a movie. Louise is a guy from Ant Man, obviously uh, Ant Man's uh, buddy. Only if he's gonna do the recap from his van,
1: right? No, exactly. This is what it I want. It has to happen from the van where he sits there and he like just spews it out, like he does all of his stories. I'm down for that. Like if he does that, that'll that might beat Zemo dancing.
0: Like I need like a Louis like I just need the recap. Like I think it'd be so great if they use that like him as like the the way to <laughs> the way to like recap everything. Oh, I well that was so much. Kevin Feige, there's there's your idea. I know a lot of people have said it, but that's that's my idea. Okay, uh, that's it. That's a wrap on this episode, kids. Hope you guys had fun as much as we did talking about behind the scenes and some Marvel stuff. So. We got some good ideas coming down the road. Um, obviously some non-marvel topics we're gonna uh talk about. So get ready, get excited. We will uh get into that as we move along. And then obviously once Loki starts, we'll probably talk about that. Um, like we were doing with the Falcon Winter Soldier. And then hopefully I think what we were gonna do is maybe once once an episode or once every other episode, we'll do like a this week in geek segment and we'll talk about anything newsy in the geek uh, fandoms, whatever fandom, Marvel, Star Wars, Harry Potter, the last of us. Cause I'm super excited about that show. Uh, any and all news we will bring up uh, maybe once in a while. So Christina sign us off. Where can the good people find you on the socials, Instagram and Twitter at a beautiful quest. Beautiful. Katie, with a Y, where can they find you?
2: <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Penguin
0: Katie. Beautiful. And if you guys want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Loro Knows. And then you can follow the Geek Broads cast on Twitter at Geek Broads Pod. We are on Apple Pay, Apple, Apple, wow, Apple Pod. There we go. Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, bunch of other platforms so go ahead and do us a favor give us those rates reviews, subscribes all the good stuff so we can get our voices out there more to the masses so please 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 we would be so happy if you guys did that for us so again uh follow us on twitter at geek broads pod we're really close to 200 followers so uh let's get there soon Until next time, everybody, stay geeky. Bye.